Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Uh, Jim, it's the big day. It's debate day. I know there's two others, but the first one usually gets the most attention and has the best chance of actually having an impact, although you never know what can happen in the other two. But we have good, bad, and crazy today. We're brought to you today by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Three Martini, and you can get the Three Martini Lunch Listener special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. So yes, uh, Jim, our first martini is devoted to the fact that it is debate day. Uh, Sometimes you feel like maybe Jim Nance ought to be hosting this. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cleveland. (laughs) It's not often that Cleveland has a decisive role in any uh, major sporting contest, although the Cavs did win uh, the title a few years back. But uh, Trump had his convention in Cleveland. Ultimately, that campaign worked out for him. Uh, so we'll see. It's it's a highly anticipated. I just watched a report from Peter Ducey over at Fox. This is not a joke <laughs> for all the hype that's going into this. Trump wants a third party to check for earpieces in each candidate's ear. And Joe Biden wants breaks on the half hour. So everybody's on brand heading into this big event, Jim. Yeah, well put, Greg. You know, you may prefer Jim Nance. I, I think I'd just prefer to have it uh, opened up by Brett Musburger. You are looking live at Case Western University in Cleveland, Ohio. So, yeah, I, I don't know about you. I'm glad it's here. I, this, this feels like a campaign that has stretched on forever. You know, I think most people knew who they were going to vote for arguably four years ago, <laughs> that if you like Trump then, the odds are good that you like him now. If you didn't like him then and you, you thought he was terrible then, you probably think he's terrible now. There weren't that many undecideds then. There weren't that many undecideds now. And, uh, you know, we've got people, a significant number of people have already voted. I think it's more than a million now. Let's get this thing over with. <laughs> Let's get this thing on. I don't think there are that many undecideds left, and I don't think there are that many people who, um, you know, either candidate would really have to fall flat on their faces for either side to say, yeah, my guy didn't win. Uh, you know, no matter if, if Joe Biden remembers his name and, you know, like, ha, 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 no, really, I hope he does. His side is going to say, oh, yes, he, he totally mopped the floor with Donald Trump. If Donald Trump doesn't pledge to nuke blue states, uh, his side will say he was the winner and that he did a terrific job. First of all, it's going to be interesting that usually you see a debate um, but they kind of go through the motions of trying to be respectful to each other. I don't think either of these men respects the other. I don't think either of these men, you know, have any warmth or begrudging admiration or quiet respect for each other. I think these two men absolutely loathe each other. Biden cannot believe that Trump was elected. Trump sees Biden as everything he's supposed to run against. The Washington establishment, who's been there forever. And I think it's going to be grumpy, uh, a dark reboot of grumpy old men tonight. I think they are going to go at it early and often. I think uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Wallace does trying to play referee and keep them focused and keep them, you know, it's, it's you know, it'll be interesting to see if the six foot uh, distance uh, separation is, is maintained, uh, you know, but I think everyone's kind of been itching for it. This will be the first time we've seen Biden on a debate stage since, the Ides of March, back when he was debating uh, Bernie Sanders. And for everybody who thinks Biden's going to flop tonight, he did pretty well that evening. Um, it's the first time we've seen Trump taking on his critic face-to-face. You know, maybe you could argue some of his televised uh, Oval Office uh, 
press conferences with Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi. But, you know, you don't get to see this very often. And my suspicion is Trump will come out swinging. And I'm just kind of glad it's here. I'm glad it's here. It'll happen. We'll get to talk about it. Um, because otherwise it kind of feels like this campaign, like a lot of dramatic things happen in this campaign. The polls don't seem to move around very much. I think if you're the Trump campaign, you really want a knockout tonight. You really want tonight to be a game changer. And you want a lot of people who are currently comfortable voting for Joe Biden to watch him tonight and say, whoa, well, okay, I don't know if I can vote for this guy. I don't know if this guy's ready to, you know, I don't know if this guy can handle the duties over the next four years. That's a big part of it. And I think that's uh, another area where the Republicans have lived up to their moniker from the great Stan Evans, uh, one of the figures of the conservative movement, former head of the American Conservative Union, who said there are two parties in this country. There's the evil party and the stupid party. And I'm a proud member of the stupid party. What we've been talking about a couple different times here over the past few weeks is Republicans inexplicably lowering expectations for Joe Biden to the point where you said, uh, if he doesn't fall over, doesn't drool, doesn't completely forget where he is for half an hour, he's going to be declared the winner because uh, we constantly see the clips perpetrated on social media. And it's hard to resist them where Biden loses his train of thought or forgets what he's talking about. And so uh, they talk about Joe Biden, he's never going to be able to handle the debate stage. And maybe he will flop. But when you set the expectations there, instead of saying, you know, Joe Biden's had a lot of inconsistencies just in this campaign, let alone 50 years of nearly of, of, uh, of time in Washington and beyond. He's been all over the map. Uh, there's the Hunter Biden stuff. He's got to answer for a lot of this stuff. Instead of raising the expectations like that, they've basically asked him to keep his saliva in his mouth. And I think he's probably going to be able to meet that threshold. Another reason I think tonight is the most important debate, in addition to being the first one, is because I think Chris Wallace will probably ask the most uh, penetrating questions of uh, the candidates that, that we're likely to get. Because the next debate, while Steve Scully's fine, will be a, a town hall, so he won't really be asking the questions. He might do a couple of follow-ups. Uh, and as you pointed out, Jim, that's where we'll get the decided voters who act like they're undecided, and we get the, uh, the, the phrased questions, which make it pretty obvious uh, how they are. And I just don't think that Kirsten Welker's likely to be as... Uh, as direct and, and, and challenging as Chris Wells. I could be wrong in that third debate. So, so we'll see about that. I'll, I'll, here's my first prediction, though, Jim. Trump will come on stage with no mask, and Biden will come on with a mask. What do you think about that? Oh, interesting. Well, I assume that everybody would be kept a safe enough distance from each other that there wouldn't be. Now, I think what will happen, or what could have you know, in fact, you wonder how much the Trump campaign has debated this, is does Trump go halfway across the stage and extend his hand? <laughs> and the question does, you know, so then the position is for Biden, do you look like you refuse to shake his hand, which looks like bad sportsmanship? My guess is, you know, then Biden will turn and try to extend his elbow. And it'll be a question of which one blinks. You know, does, does, does Trump go with the elbow? Does Biden should go with the hand? And the entire, we could have 90 minutes of them just doing the stare down during this, you know, elbow off slash, you know, handshake, eventually probably Trump will shake his elbow and we'll see how he should The other thing which I kind of, if you're the Biden campaign, I think what probably should worry you tonight is that we, we've been, you know, observing on our podcast how often Biden's can and his campaign call an early lid. They end his days early. He's not doing a ton of events. And maybe this is all debate prep. Maybe this is him being tired. Maybe this is a deliberate strategy of, look, Trump always generates news for himself. Trump always gets himself in trouble. Why would we want to interrupt that? We're just going to keep as low a profile as possible, and we're going to let the election try to be a referendum on Trump. And look, by the measurement of most polls these days, that's working. 
On a debate stage, you can't do that. On a debate stage, Trump is going to challenge Biden. He's going to come directly at him. And if you haven't, I hope Biden's in fighting shape. Uh, if, if, or at least, say, if he's not, he's gonna. We're gonna find out really fast. And I think that the uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Don't take any risks. You know, line up in victory formation attitude that we've seen from the Biden campaign so far. It you know, it once things start full, sliding away from you, you you really haven't been developing your your muscles to. Uh, uh, to launch a furious comeback. So we'll see how things shake out there. But if I were a Biden campaign, I'd be a little nervous about whether whether the candidate is ready for what's coming his way tonight. Uh, ran into one online suggestion for a debate drinking game. I'll leave it up to you whether you think it needs to have alcohol involved. But uh, take a sip. If Biden loses his train of thought mid-sentence, uh, or Trump laughs at Biden, or Biden misquotes a, a COVID statistic by an order of magnitude, uh, Trump says huge. Uh, every time Biden starts a sentence with look or listen, man, we got alcohol poisoning everywhere now. Uh, take a shot if Biden references being uh, the vice president working with Barack Obama. Uh, take a shot if Trump says China virus and finish your drink if Biden calls his wife by the wrong name or gender or says, come on, man. Jim, what do you think? Greg, how drunk do you want people to be? That's <laughs> put, the, put the emergency rooms on, on watch for alcohol poisoning. My goodness, you know. While we get ready for that spectacle in Cleveland, uh, let's talk about uh, Stamps.com because no matter what happens uh, on on the debate stage, uh, Stamps.com is going to be a winner for you because we're adjusting to a new normal here. Most of us are are getting closer and closer to opening up, but uh, kind of all depends what jurisdiction you're in, but we still need to be smart about how we do business. And luckily, there's Stamps.com to make things easier. Now, already thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com, especially over the past six plus months of this pandemic now. Uh, Business owners are able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their own computers. And that's because with Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office at all. And it gets better. You'll save money with discounted rates you couldn't even get at the post office if you did want to stand in line. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services that you need right to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you're a small business that's sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and you need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. It's just that simple. And like we said, the stamps.com, you get great discounts too. Five cents off of every stamp and up to 62% off of U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer that saves you time and money. And right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Three Martini, all one word, Three Martini. That's Stamps.com, enter Three Martini. All right, Jim, let's talk about our bad martini now. And for that, we're just talking about the basic level of competence needed to run an election. That would mean getting the right ballot in the right envelope to the right voter. 
doesn't seem to be something you would need an advanced degree to do. But uh, we are seeing more and more reports that this very simple responsibility seems to be too much for some people to handle. Let's start, first of all, right in our own backyard here in Virginia. This is Fox 5 DC. According to several media reports, about 1,400 voters in Virginia got two absentee ballots mailed to them, but election officials said only one would be counted. Election officials in Fairfax County told the Washington Post a printer problem led employees to mistakenly mail two ballots to about 1,000 voters. Officials said people should destroy the second ballot. So does that mean that people got two envelopes or two ballots in the same envelope? Uh, either way, Jim, the people that can't get that straight are really, really certain that both votes aren't going to count. Uh, we've also got a doubleheader out of New York City, first from the New York Post. Voters in New York City have received mail-in ballots for the 2020 presidential election marked for military use, despite never having served in the armed forces, causing confusion and concerns over whether the ballots can or should be used. The misprint makes it appear that the voters received an official military absentee ballot instead of a military absentee ballot, leaving several borough residents who received the documents, including two journalists for the New York Post, worried that their votes might not be properly tallied. City Councilman Jimmy Van Bramer says, I believe that's just the tip of the iceberg, referring to constituents in his Sunnyside district who have reached out to him about receiving the ballots. He says it appears that everyone has gotten this particular ballot. Experts from both sides of the aisle said the typo ultimately wouldn't matter because uh, they're still going to be counted the same way, but it still just shows uh, lack of uh, precision in doing this. And then, Jim, another one, this is from The Gothamist. Multiple voters in Brooklyn told The Gothamist and WNYC that they have received a mislabeled official absentee ballot envelope. Normally, the voter inserts their completed ballot into the envelope and signs the outside. But in these cases, their ballot envelopes bear the wrong name and address. So if a person signs their own name to this faulty envelope, uh, faulty ballot envelope, the ballot would be voided. So far, voters in Park Slope, Prospect Heights, Carroll Gardens, Crown Heights, Clinton Hill, Bushwick, Flatbush, Brooklyn Heights, and Sunset Park have already reported the issue. More than 140,000 absentee ballots have gone out across the borough. So... Jim, I know there's other stories out there about folks under investigation for more serious shenanigans, but you really expect the election officials to be able to get the blocking and tackling correct. And right now, the blocking and tackling don't look too swift. Yeah. You know, again, on the one hand, you recognize a country with a couple hundred million voters and, and you know, 50 states that are running them, so many localities, you know, local and county workers being what they are. They're human. They're going to make mistakes. On the other hand, each one of these undermines our faith in our democracy. I guess it's good that we're learning about them now. There's a little bit of time to fix them. But as they pile up, we start to think, hey, you know, are these people taking their jobs? Uh, all that's like, like some of these things, like we, we, earlier in the week we talked about, uh, or I'm sorry, last week we talked about a misprint on one of the ballots that said that did not have uh, Mike Pence as the running mate for Donald Trump. Was it like Jeffrey Cohen or something like that? Spike Cohen of the Libertarians, yeah. There you go. You know, like it's all this bizarre, um, you, you guys do proofread these things before you print them, right? You do uh, take a look at what's like, you know, how you, you uh, the, the idea of like sending in two envelopes, uh, two ballots and one envelope, isn't somebody like, does, doesn't that envelope seem a little thicker than usual? Like who's, who's overseeing this process? I understand it's human beings, but each one of these, well, first of all, let's admit it creates an opportunity for fraud or confusion. Um, you know, some people get two ballots in the mail. They're going to fill out both. 
they're going to say, hey, you know what? They wouldn't have sent me both if I wasn't supposed to fill out both of them. Um, so it's, it's deeply frustrating. Hopefully none of these turn out to much of anything serious, but the fact that we're spotting them is a sign that no, we don't have necessarily have the best and brightest running a flawless operation here. And it's going to only fuel the people who believe that, oh, my candidate lost because the other side cheated. This is what was going on. Look at this, you know, and each one of these mistakes adds some credibility to people wondering, hmm, are we absolutely certain that the person, particularly in a close race, did, are we absolutely certain that the person who had more votes on the end of the day really was the winner of the election and that nothing happened that altered the balance of the election? You do not want to lose the faith of the voters in the process. And uh, when you see story after story, I mean, there were three of these that just happened yesterday. And like you said about the story we did about Michigan, uh, these aren't the only stories. And that is a that is a serious problem. And so you just, you know, I, as I tweeted out yesterday, Jim, these are the same people who think that the government should be running health care and should be dictating energy policy with the Green New Deal. There are people who want the government to run everything. And if they can't even get this right, you might want to rethink that. Anyway, let's talk about our crazy martini now, Jim. And of course, I would assume the Supreme Court is going to be one of the issues on the debate stage tonight and certainly uh, on the debate stage throughout this process. And one of the issues that has come up, especially since the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but, he, but the Democrats were talking about this even before that, was court packing or expanding uh, the number of justices on the Supreme Court because the number nine is not dictated in the Constitution. We've had uh, different numbers of justices over the years, but for the past 150 years, it's been stuck at nine, except when there's been a vacancy. So one of the things that uh, Joe Biden has refused to say, because he says it would become too big of an issue, is, what, is whether or not he would support adding justices to the Supreme Court. And Jim, I think that's quite disingenuous, because if he was adamantly opposed to it, it really wouldn't be an issue, wouldn't be a controversy. Keeping things the way they are usually isn't uh, too controversial. But Kamala Harris was also asked about this by Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC last night. And if possible, Kamala Harris sounded more flummoxed on this issue than Joe Biden. Should the Supreme Court be expanded? You know what, let's, I think that, first of all, Joe's been very clear that um, he is going to, to pay attention to the fact, and I'm with him on this 1,000%, pay attention to the fact that right now, Lawrence, people are voting. Jim, Kamala Harris just oozes insincerity at a level that you hardly see even in national politics. But what did you make of her stuttering and stammering over trying to dodge the issue and saying and bringing it back to that this nomination should be happening because of uh, the fact that people are already voting? You know, Greg, I'm going to paraphrase Bill Murray in Ghostbusters right now and say that if someone asks you if you're going to stu uh, stuff the court, if you're going to pack the court, if you're going to expand the size of the court as a workaround because you think the current justices would not find your proposals uh, constitutional, anybody who does not say no immediately and quickly and clearly and loudly, then the answer is secretly yes. The more they tap dance around that, the more they can't say, no, we will not just decide to add more justices because we want to get our way. The more the answer is, you know, either yes or, well, yeah, if I have to. <laughs> that, that's, that's the answer there. And what's, what's really infuriating about this is not, you know, Biden, okay, we're used to his, his answers being word salad. Although again, he won't give a confused answer. He's like, no, that's a really valid question. I'm not going to answer it because I don't, because I want to create a distraction. Well, if your answer would create a distraction, maybe it's worth talking about. Maybe it's a big deal. Maybe it's significant and it needs to be discussed. And in the case of this with Kamala Harris, it's a similar phenomenon of, 
Uh, I'm going to talk a lot. I'm going to string a lot of words together, but I'm not going to leave you with any real sense of how uh, I would handle this and or whether this is really on the table for the early days of a Biden administration. Yeah. The other thing that came to my mind is that they don't plan to do it, but they want to keep the insane people uh, excited about voting. And so they have to at least keep the possibility alive that they would do that to keep them uh, on board and uh, enthusiastic about the election. So I don't know, but uh, it looks really bad. And I won't be surprised if Chris Wallace tries to press him on that. Uh, Chris Wallace has made it clear he's not a fan of Trump, but uh, he's pretty tough on everybody that comes into Fox News Sunday. And I thought he did a good job in the uh, final debate last time with Trump and Hillary. So Jim, I know your, your pregame will, will start early. I don't know if it'll be as early as Super Bowl uh, pregame shows uh, happen, six, seven hours before kickoff, but uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. Oh, can't wait, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. And don't forget about our great sponsors over at Stamps.com for a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitment. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in three martini. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. We are extremely grateful for any kind reviews and five-star ratings. Also, remember you can get us on those government surveillance devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day. Enjoy the debate. We'll have the post-game show tomorrow on the Three Martini Lunch.